This Day in Crime is released every day, Monday through Saturday. For ad-free listening and exclusive bonus content, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm Todd McComas, and it is Monday. And not just any Monday. Today is that Monday of the year where we honor one of the greatest human beings that's ever lived, Martin Luther King Jr., a name etched in the annals of history, not with ink, but with courage and conviction. He rose from the pulpit of a segregated church to the mountaintop of a unified nation, his booming voice echoing calls for justice and equality. Armed with faith as his shield and nonviolence as his sword, he led a peaceful revolution against the entrenched walls of prejudice. His dream of a colorblind America shimmering brighter with each protest march. In a time of hate, he preached love. In a time of fear, he instilled hope. And in a time of silence, he roared like a lion, awakening the conscience of a nation and inspiring generations to fight for a more perfect union. We honor him, not just for the battles he won, but for the battles he dared to fight, for the spirit he ignited and the legacy he left echoing through the ages. I implore all of you to take at least one moment and remember what this day is about and who it's about. And if you'd like to learn more about Dr. King and sadly the circumstances surrounding his assassination, then I highly recommend you listen to the MLK tapes. It's honestly one of the greatest podcasts I've ever listened to. So we'll throw a link in the show notes. Now let's dive into today's stories. An old monster gets new charges. If at first you don't succeed, speak easy and carry a big gun. A roommate loses control. The worst daughter in history. And 1.75 million apologies. All coming up on this Day in Crime. Let's kick things off in Long Island, where Dream Haunter and accused serial killer Rex Heerman returns to court this week. Word has it that the troll-looking Heerman is going to be charged with the murder of a fourth woman whose body was found in a marshy area near Gilgo Beach. The 60-year-old man who looks like a henchman of Satan has already been charged with the murders of three women, and now he is expected to be charged with the murder of Maureen Brainerd Barnes. Maureen was found wrapped with a belt that had a distinctive buckle bearing the initials WH, which are Heuerman's father's initials. So prosecutors believe Murdersaurus Rex may have gotten this belt buckle to honor his father. And just as a reminder, Heuerman is not only an architect of evil, but he's also an architect of buildings. He was arrested last year in his Manhattan firm after he was linked to the murdered women through DNA evidence. There are six other Gilgo Beach victims whose deaths remain unsolved, and obviously Hureman is the primary suspect in each of those murders as well, so I'm sure this won't be his last indictment. 
and I'm positive this won't be my last indictment of the way he looks. If at first you don't succeed, it's constitutionally okay to try, try again. That's what the Alabama Supreme Court decided when they rejected the appeal of death row inmate Kenneth Eugene Smith. Smith's argument was basically, hey, they already tried to execute me once and they screwed it up. So it would be cruel and unusual punishment to execute me again, which is an interesting argument, mostly because I've never considered the possibility of an execution not being successful. But in November of 2022, the Alabama Department of Corrections tried to carry out Smith's court-ordered execution by lethal injection. However, after staff was not able to get the second of two required intravenous lines connected, they called it off. Can you imagine? Hey guys, like, I couldn't find a good vein here, so maybe we should all just come back and try it again some other time. It's not that simple, right? Because this is a court-ordered execution of a human being. A human being convicted of a murder, but still a human being. So there's a lot of red tape. And here's some history. Smith and another man were convicted of murdering Elizabeth Sennett in 1988. Elizabeth's husband was a preacher who paid Smith and the other man $1,000 to murder his wife so he could collect on her insurance policy. I know it's hard to believe that everyone didn't get away with a murder that was financed for a whopping $1,000, but they didn't. Now, I think Smith's argument is interesting because I always thought like in the old days of the firing squad, if everyone missed, they should let the guy live. Now, these are way different circumstances here, but can you imagine being strapped to a gurney, thinking you're seconds away from death, and then, never mind, it's crazy. And what's even crazier, this is the second execution by lethal injection that Alabama has failed on since September of 2022. So they've switched methods this time around and have decided to execute Smith by way of nitrogen hypoxia. This is a method of execution authorized in only three states, Alabama, Mississippi, and Oklahoma. But it's never actually been used before, so Smith will be the first person to ever be executed by this method. And this is how it works. He'll be restrained on a table, they'll put a respirator-type mask over his nose and mouth, then they'll slowly replace his breathable air with nitrogen. And in theory, the depletion of oxygen to his brain causes a painless death. And this second execution attempt is set to take place on January 25th. And regardless of how you feel about this type of sentence, if they screw it up again, I think Alabama needs to seriously consider retiring the death penalty because they're just not good at it. If you're a Tenderfoot Plus subscriber, keep enjoying your ad-free experience. For everyone else, We'll be right back after this break. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. 
Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all of that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. One good thing to come from the COVID pandemic was the number of people who created really cool bars inside their own homes to hang out with their friends. Now, some of them went as far as to run them as unlicensed bars that operated as underground businesses. Now, I don't mean to applaud illegal enterprise, but let's be honest. Who doesn't like a speakeasy? Probably anyone who went to one and got caught in the middle of a mass shooting, which was the case this weekend at a speakeasy illegally operating in a North Philadelphia home. Officers responded to a shots fired call at the home just before 1 a.m. yesterday. When they arrived, they discovered that two men had been shot and killed and that three other people had been wounded. Authorities said at least 10 shots were fired as one or more people apparently opened fire from the street into the building's front door and a window. No suspects or arrests have been reported yet and police are yet to announce a motive for the shooting. Here's a little side note. This neighborhood is known as Strawberry Mansion, which doesn't sound like a place you'd expect something like this to happen. It turns out Strawberry Mansion, which used to be one of Philadelphia's more affluent neighborhoods, has become exactly the neighborhood where you'd expect something like this to happen. And sadly, this happens to neighborhoods like this in every major city. So the only thing that I ask is once that happens, you change the name of that neighborhood because it's just extra upsetting to hear about frequent killings in a place called Strawberry Mansion. So maybe change it to Poisonous Strawberry Mansion because a name like that would make me think twice before going there to have a good time. Food for thought. Anyone who lives with another person knows how challenging it can be to decide who's in charge of the TV remote. But usually those arguments are limited to a smart-ass comment or two. But for a couple roommates in Prince George's County, Maryland, 
This argument went to a whole new level. Springdale resident Richard Banal was charged with manslaughter in the death of his roommate, Dominic Hayes. According to court documents, Banal said he was asleep on the couch when he was awakened by his roommate Hayes, who was making a lot of noise in the kitchen. Banal said Hayes repeatedly asked him where the TV remote was, but he chose to ignore him. Banal then claimed that Hayes came at him holding two knives. So Banal grabbed a handgun and started shooting before running to his bedroom on the third floor. Thank God he keeps a gun nearby when he naps on the couch. Banal said he didn't bother to call the police until six hours later because he just assumed his hell of gunfire missed Hayes. So once he got to the bedroom, he finished his nap, which I guess means he also assumed that Hayes no longer wished to murder him with knives. Cherish your roommate, folks. Turns out, they're not that bad. For every mother who's ever thought to themselves, if I were to go on vacation with my daughter to Bali, there's no way she would murder me and hide my body in a suitcase. Let this story be your cautionary tale. 28-year-old Heather Mack has pleaded guilty to a federal charge of conspiracy to kill a U.S. national to wit her mother in June of 2014. Here's what happened. Heather Mack conspired with her boyfriend at the time, Tommy Schaefer, to murder her mother, Sheila Von Weiss, once they arrived in Bali on vacation. Sometime during their stay at the luxurious St. Regis Resort and Hotel, they beat Von Weiss to death with a blunt instrument. They then stuffed her body into a suitcase and left it abandoned in the trunk of a taxi. Prosecutors eventually recovered text messages between Mac and Schaefer in which they coordinated the murder and fantasized about how to spend the life insurance money that Mac was certain she'd receive. Heather Mac served a 10-year sentence in Indonesia and was extradited back to the U.S. after her release. Her boyfriend, Schaefer, is still serving time on his sentence in Indonesia. Now, 10 years sounds like a light sentence for murder, and I agree. But the Indonesian government was lenient in her sentencing because it turns out she was pregnant with Schaefer's baby when she was arrested and gave birth while in custody. And when that happens in Indonesia, they allow the baby to live in prison with the mother until the child reaches the age of two. Now, Mac's lawyers are seeking a sentence of 15 years maximum with credit for her time served in Indonesia. However, federal prosecutors in Chicago are thinking more like 28 years with zero credit for time served in Indonesia. We'll keep you updated. And finally, let's close out on a somewhat positive note. The state of Michigan has agreed to pay $1.75 million to an innocent man who spent 35 years in prison after being wrongfully convicted of the sexual assault of a child. Lewis Wright was convicted of the 1988 attack of an 11-year-old girl in Albion, Michigan, but he was released in November after DNA proved he was not the attacker. Now, Michigan law dictates that people who are exonerated based on new evidence are eligible for $50,000 for each year they spent in prison. And $1.75 million sounds like a lot of money, but when you break it down to $50,000 a year for the 35 years he spent in prison, that's still a pretty shitty deal. I wouldn't go to prison for $1.75 million a year, let alone split up over 35 years. 
And by the way, the victim in Wright's case was never asked to identify him, and his alleged confession was not recorded. And he was never asked to sign the summary of his confession that was written out by the detective. You smell that? That's what it smells like when someone sets fire to the Constitution. Speaking of which, Wright's attorney has filed a separate lawsuit against police claiming that Wright's civil rights were violated during that investigation back in 1988. And in that lawsuit, they're asking for compensation of more than $100 million. That sounds more like it. Good luck, Lewis. And that's going to be it for me. But make sure you tune in tomorrow for more top stories with Laura Benson. I'll see you on Friday. This Day in Crime is a production of Tenderfoot TV in partnership with Odyssey, produced in association with Bernie Mountain Productions. Sources for today's episode and full credits can be found in the show notes, and you can follow us on social media at This Day in Crime. We're back at it tomorrow. Thanks for listening.